0: praises to sing, to sing. Yeah. there's
1: Amen. Good morning. You know, isn't technology great? Cell phones now, you don't even have to worry about setting your clocks ahead or backwards. They're just going to do it automatically. So you just set the time when you want to wake up and it automatically adjusts. And therefore, nobody's ever early, nobody's ever late. Right? (laughs) Anyway, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Stand with me if you will. We're here to worship the Lord. Amen? This is our time where we just say, Father, you're so worthy of our praise. And we just take all of our situations, all of our concerns, all of our needs, and we just lay them at the altar, and we just say thank you for being who you are. You're such an amazing father. You love us so much. And now we just be a reflection of your love back to you. And I pray, we pray, Father, that this worship time would be a, a blessing to you. That you would that your ear would look down to this little church down here in Charlevoix and you would say, wow, I love that. Keep praising me. Keep worshiping me. Keep singing praises to me. Because I have blessings in store for you as you praise my name. And I just pray that way in Jesus' name. So be blessed this morning as we worship him. Amen.
0: knees again. God, I'm begging please again. I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. Your forgiveness is like a sweet sweet. sin. I want to know about being born again. I need you. Oh God, I need you. So take me to the riverside. Take me under baptize. I need you. Oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like a sweet, sweet The sound of a symphony to my ears Like holy water within I don't want to abuse your grace Cause God I need it every day It's the only thing that change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's It's the only thing that ever really makes me me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Your forgiveness is like a sweet, sweet the sweet Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to seal the joy I own, and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Oh. I
2: Lord, we deliberately make room for you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in our midst, to bring to us a pulling back of the veil, to show us Jesus. In Isaiah 55, verse 1, it says, Come to the waters and drink. Drink freely. And it also says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus don't ever have to knock on this door. Father God, we open the door to your Son, that he may come in and eat with us and us with him. Jesus.
3: Now, when he had taken the scroll, this is worthy as a lamb, Revelation 5, 7. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth, And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in the heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and the lamb forever and ever.
1: So today, I want to take an honest look at our church and uh, our surroundings. And I want to get a better understanding of where we are in God's plan for us. He has a plan for this church. Do you know that? He has a plan for your life. Do you know that? He knows you. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. And he already wrote the book about your life. Our job is just just to walk in it and, uh, and then trust him in it. So as I was praying about today's message and uh, the business meeting coming up afterwards, two words came into my mind that I believe were from the Holy Spirit. Those two words were double down, double down. It's time to double down. And I'm thinking, man, Lord, what does that mean? You know, it's kind of like I heard Donald Trump say it. I've heard uh, Kenny Rogers say it. (laughs) It's a a gambling term. I get that. (laughs) Double down on that bet. I get that. But that's not what the Lord was asking me to do. I don't believe double down on my bet because I don't normally bet. I don't find myself going to fan duel and all the other nonsense that's being shown on TV. Can you imagine, can you believe all the stuff that's coming on TV about how you can gamble from your home now? If it's not a big enough problem as it is, why would they want you and promote it so you can gamble in the secrecy of your own home? Isn't that just a shame? That's just the world we're living in, folks. So what does it mean? Those words double down kind of took me by surprise. And and as I considered them more, it became clear that what the Lord was saying is that this is not the time to give up. This is not the time to get weary. This is not the time to look all around you with your physical eyes and see all the problems of the world, the issues with the church, the challenges that we face, and say, God, I'm done. No, he says, you know what, Mike, double down. Dig in. Come on, let's go. We're going to win this thing. You just need to persevere to the end. And the, be- and the beautiful thing about it is I don't think we're that far from the end. But even so, we double down and we work hard. Because the enemy is all about fear and intimidation, isn't he? But what else does he know? What what victory has the enemy won? How does he know how to celebrate a good thing when he's never had a good thing? He gave up the best eons ago when, when he had pride that overtook his heart and he said, No, I want to be God. And God said, not in my home, you're not going to be, so get out. (laughs) And he cast him out. And now ever since, the enemy, all he's been doing is celebrating loss and failure over and over again. The enemy is a loser. Just so you know that. he's a lying loser. And all he knows is failure. So all he's going to bring to you is intimidation and fear because that's all he's got. That's all he knows. He's already lost the battle. Christ is the bearer of great news. And as we trust him, we know that Christ is the victor. He's already defeated the enemy. So now we double down and stay the course and persevere to the end. Amen? Amen. I'm reminded of the account in the Old Testament when Elijah and his servant faced a potential disaster when the army of the Armenians surrounded them by the way do you have a page of notes if you do um, if you don't raise your hand and we'll bring them to you but you should have picked them up as you came in so I want to read that that account today it's a long account it's a number of verses you can open your Bible or you can you can read it with us on the screen 2nd Kings chapter 6 verses 8 through 23 when the king of Aram was at war with Israel he would confer with his officers and say we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place But immediately, Elijah, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send a word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elijah warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. Verse 11. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elijah, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elijah is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Verse 16, Don't be afraid, Elijah told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elijah prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elijah prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Verse 19, Then Elijah went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria, Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elijah prayed, O oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria, which was the capital of Israel. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elijah, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elijah replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that this is not just a story. This is actually an account of history. This actually happened just the way we read it. And Lord, I praise you. I pray that you would just show us now how we can apply this into our lives today. That we can have that same hope and assurance and that same confidence that Elijah had. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I think we can see some very important spiritual parallels here as we examine this account. First of all, what was Elijah doing to deserve the attack of the enemy? What was he doing? Was he wrong? Was he did he deserve to die this day? I mean, was God sending punishment against Elijah? So what was Elijah doing? All Elijah was doing was telling the truth. He was hearing from the Lord and speaking truth. And for that, the enemy was angry. That's it. He was doing nothing wrong in the sight of God. But yet, when the morning came and Elijah's servant went outside, what did he see? He saw the hill surrounded with the enemy, ready to destroy. And now this servant was freaked out. Wouldn't you be? It's just you and Elijah in in a a house, and you wake up in the morning, and you go outside, and you see you're surrounded by the enemy, and they weren't a friendly enemy. They were out to kill and destroy. And so he goes into the house to Elijah and says, hey, Elijah, we got a problem. And Elijah says, "Uh, you're not looking at it the way I see it. And Elijah prays. He says, Lord, open the eyes of the servant, and we know the story. So how does that relate to us today? Well, the devil, let me just say this. The devil and his demons, they prefer to stay hidden. They prefer to stay out of sight. They don't really want to be seen as who they are. And so when we speak truth of God's word, and we... When we show the enemy strategy, it makes him a little upset. Just like it made the king of the Armenians upset that God was showing Elijah their strategy, that they couldn't destroy Israel. Well, the enemy is just like the king of the Armenians. He gets angry. He doesn't like it when his strategy is being told. And so when Bible-believing te- churches teach and preach God's word, and when Bible-believing families and when Bible-believing fathers and mothers preach and teach and pray God's word to their families, guess what happens? You're targeted because the enemy doesn't like to be exposed. So just look around our situation today. Look around and see what is going on around us. Look around the churches. How many churches are struggling... Bible-believing churches struggling with attendance and finances and things of that nature. We're not the only small church in town, folks. I want want to let you know that. We're not the only small church in town. That doesn't mean we're not powerful, however, and that doesn't mean the other churches aren't powerful either. But look at other things. Look at COVID and the agenda of the political left and all the things that are, are looking around us. It's a pretty bleak outlook. If you just take a look at what we can see with our physical eyes, there's not a lot of hope. It's pretty bleak. And I think that these are times for us to reflect when we see the things that are around us. Are we going to, are we going to react the way the servant did with a reaction which is, which is absolutely normal with our physical eyes and what we see? Or are we going to react with the faith of Elijah? We are living in unprecedented times of weakness, turmoil, confusion, distress, fear, you name it. We don't have to look very deep to see the fact that our society is, is not reacting well to the COVID virus. And how all of these have been used to destroy democracy and Destroy a country that was established on God's principles. You know, I, I posted a thing uh, this week that about Je- um, Thomas Jefferson. I didn't do the research. But man, I tell you, if you read that post, it was amazing. He was an amazing, powerful, gifted, brilliant, genius. But it wasn't because he was such a good man. It's because God inspired him. God inspired the writers of our Constitution To give us a godly country, there's no question about it that our Constitution is a God-breathed document. Now, I'm not saying it's inspired by God. It's not Scripture. I get that. But I can see that God's hand is all over it and the way it was designed to protect us from ourselves. The spiritual enemy of our country is fully against that and fully against anything that represents godliness And he wants to break the democracy. He wants to break the freedom. And he wants to also ruin churches. He wants to ruin families. He wants to ruin godly businesses and everything godly. So let me just put it this way. What we're seeing all around us is a spiritual battle. Yeah, we see the physical manifestation of it, but it is a spiritual battle that's happening around us. So what do we do about it? That's when the world, the words double down came to me. When I was just looking at that and thinking, God, what do we do? He says, double down, double down, double down on your truth telling, double down on your lack of compromise, double down on your, your, your force against the enemy and do not let him have a foothold. Do not let the enemy get in and discourage you double down on who I am in Christ Jesus. So what does double down mean to double down is not simply a wishful thought It is an action that God will reward with great victory as we do everything we can in conjunction with the spiritual victory and power that God is offering us if we would only take him up on it. He's waiting for us to take him up on his offer to win. Think about that. Let's go back to our text. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Listen to what Elijah said. Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elijah prayed. Do you hear what he did? See, he he put action to it. Then Elijah prayed, and he said, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked, he saw the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So what does that mean for us today? Is there an application that we can directly take from this passage? I believe there is. First of all, we need to understand that the unseen spiritual realm that all around us exists. There are angels in this place today. There are ministering angels that are just that are filling this room. If our eyes were open to that, we would see angels. I believe I would see every guardian angel that's assigned to you and others that have come to worship the Lord with us because they entered in with us. As we worship the Lord, the angels entered in and they brought worship to heaven today. So the spiritual world is absolutely real and it exists. Everything that we can sense with our physical eyes, smell, taste, feel, hear, sense, all that stuff, you know what that's going to do? That's going to pass away. Everything, that chair you're sitting on, someday is going to burn up. Everything that we see is temporary. Everything we can't see is eternal. But yet we get so focused on what we can see that we forget the fact that we are not Physical people in that regard, we are are eternal people because of Christ Jesus. And us, we have the victory. Now, you're also eternal if you don't believe in Christ, just so you know. And that eternity is not so good because you're going to be burning with the chair. You're going to be, it's not a, it's not a great thing. We don't like to talk about it, but hell is not a good place to be. And it's going to be a place of fire and, and brimstone and, and rejection and fear and failure and hopelessness and all those bad things. That's what the enemy is. That's where he's doomed to, but not us. If we have Christ in our heart, we're doomed to victory. And that's the eternalness that we need to continue to keep in our mindset. So the, the, the spiritual war, w- realm is made up of countless angels and countless, um, the power of God is just beyond our comprehension when it comes to the things that we can't see. The problem, however, becomes, and I'm going to speak for me, and maybe you can relate to this, but the problem comes is when I spend my time focusing on the problems of what I can see rather than on the source of our solution, which I can't see. Does that make sense to you? Do you know what I'm talking about? When I see the problem is bigger than the solution maker and I spend my time focused on the problem, that's what this—that's what the servant was doing. The servant was focused on the problem because that's all he could see. Whereas Elijah was focused on the spiritual because he had such a good relationship with God that God anointed him with the openness of spiritual eyes. So today I want to talk about three spiritual principles that will help us in this area. First of all, we need to ask God to open our eyes, number one. Number two, we need to know that the real battle in God's kingdom is not against human or physical forces. It's a spiritual battle. And then number three, there is a cause effect in the spiritual battle and people play an important role we have a role to play in the battle. So I want to talk about these three spiritual principles as we go through today and prepare for our business meeting coming later. Number one, we need to ask God to open our eyes to really all that is happening for us around us and that he's leading us no matter what the conditions of life are. That we need to have a spiritual awakening of our spiritual mind to know that God has everything in his plan, everything already taken care of. We just need to know how we act in it. I love this passage in Ephesians. Paul writes this to the Church of Ephesus, but I think he's writing it to center point. So as we read this, just imagine Paul writing to center point assembly today. This is out of the Living Bible translation, Ephesians chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty one. Paul writes, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future he has called you to share. I want you to realize that God has been made rich because we who are Christ's have been given to him. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. Far, far above any other king or ruler or dictator or leader. Yes, his honor is far more glorious than that of anyone else, either in this world or in the world to come. Do you see hope in that passage? Do you see Paul encouraging Center Point Assembly today that God has something great in store for us if we would only open up and see the future that God has in store for us? God has not abandoned us. He's not left us. Can you see yourself part of this church? Can you see what God is trying to do in your life as you, as if this is your church home? Um, what is God asking you to do in this church can you see God's vision for you? you see the enemy is all about stealing this revelation knowledge from us if we let him. the enemy the enemy is all about coming in and taking your victory coming in and taking and stealing from you the revelation that God wants you to have. So this is where we need to double down. This is where we need to say, God, I'm all in for this. I know what you have for me. I've just read it. I know what the enemy has for me, and that's destruction and distraction and frustration and failure and hopelessness. But, Lord, I'm doubling down now on my prayer life, and I'm committed to be diligent and and intentional every day as I do my part in making your church victorious. And this is where we don't just put on Christian virtues on Sunday and then take them off on Monday. This is, I'm talking about church outside of the building. I'm talking about church throughout the week. That we have to take this, this, this fortitude that we're developing here, take it outside of these walls and that we become real gospel evangelist outside in our workforces, in our workplaces, in the place that we we just have fellowship with our buddies or our gals. We just do what we do. We always bring Christ with us. We don't put them on on Sunday and take them off on Monday. God has empowered us for everyday living, for us to live and work for him, and to lead others to Christ outside of these four walls. Amen? Number two. The real battle in God's kingdom is not against human or physical forces. We all know this. Ephesians chapter 6. Probably didn't have this part, we probably have this memorized. Ephesians chapter 6, 12, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And you can continue to read that and find out how much more we're to stand on God's word. He says that our struggle, it's not an if, it's a when. The enemy is going to attack you. Know that. Don't be alarmed by it. But if we know that, why do we struggle so much? I'm going to be honest with you. Come on. I was honest with Pastor Rip this week. I got to tell you, I go through ups and downs. This is tough times. And I'll be honest with you. Last Monday, I was quitting. I mean, I was broken. I was down. I, I was not able to get up and he lifted me up. Thank the Lord I got a brother that will pray with me and lift me up when I'm down. Because I was, ta- I was, I was done. For no reason. I mean, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't immoral. I didn't do anything bad. I was just telling the truth and the enemy hit me really hard, right in the snout. And I had a bloody nose. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. And when I look at the account of Elijah and his servants that we just read in our text, I'll be honest, many times I've been the servant. I've been the servant, and I say, God, why? 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 We're just trying to do the right thing. Why the struggle? Why the sickness? Why the family turmoils? You know the problems. So when I put on the cloak of Elijah and I start walking in faith, the enemy doesn't leave there either because then he says, well, now you're just denying your problems. Now you're just being a good Christian science member. You're just saying, oh, there's no such thing as sickness. And you're just denying it. So when you do walk in faith, the enemy's right there to knock your faith down. And that's when you call your brother. (laughs) And that's when you call your sister and say, I need some help. Because that's what the church does. That's what the church is about. That's why we need to be a part of a good church. Because we can't do it alone. Even with all the faith that I can muster up, I can't do it alone. And neither can you. And this is when we double down on the enemy. We say, yeah, you know, I'm still beat up enemy, but I'm doubling down. And I know that my God is stronger than you. And I know that he's going to defeat you. You gave me a bloody nose, but he's going to knock your head off. He's going to take you out. He already has. Yeah, we're going to be bloody in the fight sometimes, but we're going to win. How many have seen the movie Rocky? Rocky. The first one. Yeah, which one? I got to tell you, this is a funny story because I was on spring break with some buddies in high school. If you can believe my parents sent me to high school with some buddies in spring break. I don't know what they were thinking. But anyways, we went to see Rocky. Didn't know anything about it. Never heard about it. Didn't even know what to, So we went to see Rocky. And you know what? When you see a movie like that that you don't know anything about, man, we were... Rockin' at the end of that movie. You know, where he slid his eye, cut me, you know. I mean, that was, that was awesome. And a bunch of kids down there in spring break, we were having a great time with Rocky. But you know, that's what we have to do. We're going to be bloodied in the fight, but we don't give up because we know we're going to win. Amen. You know, and that's the way I want to get into heaven. I want to get into heaven a little Bloody. I don't mean this weird. You you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I don't want to just kind of sneak my way into the back door of heaven. I don't want to say, God, I just want to sneak in under the radar of the enemy. Because how effective is that? I'm not looking for a fight, believe me. I'm not looking for confrontation. Because I like it when life is non-confrontational. But you know what? Sometimes the confrontation comes. And if I back away and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not want this confrontation, then... I'll compromise. I'll compromise my values. I'll give in here. I'll give in there. Satan, just don't hit me again. That's not the way to fight a spiritual battle. We stand in the ground. We double down and we we call a brother. (laughs) You call a sister. You say, pray with me. Pray with me because I need it. I need your strength. That's what we do. All right. Number three. There is a cause effect in spiritual battle and people play an important role. You see, God has the power at his fingertips to speak the word and every evil in this world would disappear if he chose to. I mean, God is unlimited in his power. He could make it all be perfect if he wanted to. But that's not the way he works. He allows people to use the freedoms that he's given us to either do good or to to do bad with the appropriate consequences. And that's why living for Jesus is so much more than just simply repeating a simple prayer. See, he's waiting on us to make a move to engage him in battle. He's waiting on us to take the first step sometimes. He's sitting there waiting, Mike, would you just pray? Would you just ask me to step into the battle? See, when I get so focused on the physical things around me, I forget to ask because I'm so overwhelmed with what I see. And all he's waiting for me is to say, take your eyes off the problem, look to me, and ask me to step in, and then watch me work you know what I'm talking about what did elijah do verse 18 of our text as the armenian army advanced toward him okay the army was advancing listen to this he saw elijah saw the armies of heaven but the army of the armenians were advancing toward him they were on the move they were they had momentum Elijah prayed, "O oh Lord, please make them blind." God was waiting for Elijah to say something. "O oh Lord, make him blind." Isn't it interesting that God or Elijah prayed blindness on his enemy—the same blindness that his servant had. He used he used what the enemy brought. To destroy them, Elijah used it against them. Blindness struck the Armenians, the same blindness that struck his servant. The same blindness I have sometimes, God will use against the enemy if I'll just ask Him. Confuse the enemy, God. I'm confused, so confuse the enemy. I'm fearful, so bring fear into the enemy. Take the same thing that you're struck with, use fire with fire. <laughs> And battle it back against the enemy. And see, and this isn't putting God in a, in, in a genie bottle. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. God inspired Elijah to speak the words of blindness so that God could then do the work that he needed to do to show his power. We can do the same thing today, folks. We have the same power at our fingertips as Elijah had if we would only learn how to exercise it. And I'm not trying to make this trivial, and I'm not trying to make... Um, it's real, I get that. But we're going to have to really put our faith to action here. We're going to have to go out on a limb sometimes maybe here. God is waiting on us to invite him into the battle. My question is, are we? Are we? My Bible comment says it this way, the end result of the life of a church, a home, a family, and a country are determined in part by the faith and prayers of God's people. God's waiting on us to invite him in. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, 37 and 38, Jesus said this to his disciples. Then he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What did Jesus say? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Jesus said, ask God to send out workers. Jesus didn't say, you go. He said, no, ask the Lord to send the workers, because when God sends them, there's power behind it. When God sends it, when God anoints you with the words to speak, there's power in the words. It's just not me speaking the words, because if it's me speaking the words, then I'm just putting God in a bottle, a genie bottle, and I'm just rubbing the magic bottle. I'm saying, God, go do what I want you to do. No, I have to have relationship. I have to be in proper union with the Lord so that I'm listening like Elijah was listening to say, blind them. And when I'm speaking the words that God's telling me to blind them, the enemy will be blinded. People will be healed. Miracles will happen. Signs and wonders will follow because I'm listening to what the Lord's asking me to do and I'm praying in accordance with His will and His will is always accomplished. Not just my ideas because that's where we get wacky. That's where we lose it. Our part in the work is necessary because before God takes action, He inspires the people to pray. That's why prayer is so important. Because without prayer, nothing happens. And it's only after we pray does God respond and finish what he desires to occur. What this means is that God limits himself and his actions Choosing to accomplish his plans through the prayers and actions of his faithful few. I'm convinced that when we get to heaven, and when, when we are in the rewards ceremony, that God, Jesus is going to award those all through their faithfulness, that we're going to be surprised who walks away with the biggest reward. And I don't think it's going to be Billy Graham I think it's going to be the little gray-haired lady that prayed for Billy Graham. I think it's going to be that intercessor that was in a closet that nobody saw because Jesus sees that person. I think that person will be honored above others that, had, that actually did the work because they prayed that the work would be accomplished. That's why prayer is so important, folks. And when we come together on Sunday nights and pray, that needs to be a powerful time. We need to be here for that. It's time we double down and ask God to open our eyes to the spiritual forces that are for us and bring down the strongholds of the enemy. Jackie, would you come? And I know this is hard, I, I know it sounds easy when we speak it, but the enemy is very persistent and he shows us how bad things are and it's going to take great faith on our part. But doubling down looks like this, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And so, this is Paul's praying for those few people in, Col- in, the, in the church of Colossus. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And here it is, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. The fight's going to take endurance. It's going to take a perseverance. Perseverance. James 1, 2 through, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God will reward those that stick it out, that double down. And then finally, Revelation three ten and 11. Because you have obeyed my commands to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world i'm coming soon jesus says hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown amen it's a good word folks when things are tough double down don't give up we're too close to the end we're too close to the victory You can expect the enemy to be more insistent now than ever because he's angrier now because he knows his time is shorter than ever. We're that close. We're that close. Double down. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day today. I thank you for this word of encouragement. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful to us. You are so good and you are so, you're so mighty. And Lord, and you're just waiting patiently for us to invite you in. So we do. We invite you today to step into our battles. We invite you to open our eyes that we would see the spirit world around us and see how powerful that is and how much more powerful that is than the physical. Help us to trust you in that, I pray. We just commit our lives to you in everything. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you will. Let's sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing. I need
0: you more More than yesterday I need you more More than words can say I need you more and I need you.
1: Father you know that's our prayer today that we really need you more than anything more than ever before and lord we are inviting you into our lives today father forgive us for our doubt forgive us for our unbelief and just come in and be who you want to be that you would be glorified in us that as you win the victories in our lives that we would look to you and say thank you thank you for delivering us thank you for giving us the promises and the hope that you've given us in your word. We honor you today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Be blessed today.